Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And I'll begin reading in verse 11. Hebrews chapter 9, 11. But Christ, be, uh, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is uh, to say, not of this building. Verse 12, neither by the blood of bulls and goats, or goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having etern obtained eternal redemption for us. Verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. You know, I, this, I'm going to try to read chapter 9 real fast for you. Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service, verse 1, and a wor uh, worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, where the candlestick and the table and the showbread, uh, which is called the sanctuary, and after the second veil, the temple, which is called the holiest of all. So, you know, he's describing the earthly temple of the Lord where the presence of the Lord uh, was held up until Christ died. And that veil that was like two feet thick and I think 18 feet tall ripped in two from top to bottom, not bottom to top. And that veil, the rending of that veil was like the rending of the flesh of Jesus. And uh, we're, we're going to hear about that, but which had the golden censure, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid uh, round with gold, where the, was the gold pot and had, that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it were the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seed of which is, um, cannot, we cannot speak right now particularly. Now these things were thus ordained and the priest always went into the tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, but not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiness, uh, holiest of all was not yet made manifest while uh, as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. In other words, the priest could only go into the most holy place. And he went in not only with the sins of the people, but his own sins. And even what he did didn't make him perfect because he still had a consciousness of sin that he had committed. All right. Verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. In other words, aren't you glad we don't have to do that? <laughs> but Christ, being a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. This is where we just read. Neither by the blood of goats and calves... In other words, Christ entered in, uh, he's going to talk about it in just a second, to the true holy of holies was not made with man's hands and he did not enter in like the high priest did with the blood of bulls and goats. 
which they tried to find the most perfect one, but were yet still not wholly perfect. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but his own, by his own blood, he entered in once, not year after year, but one time for all uh, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the puring of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself uh, without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It's one thing to say, you, you know, your sins are forgiven you. And if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. But when you understand and when you experience the cleansing of your conscience, that you have no guilt and no shame and no uh, hint of wrongdoing that the devil has any power to put over you, uh, it'll change you, that you can serve the living God. Well, what we're talking about today, and hopefully every week, is not just some theoretical religious thing, but it is a living reality in the life of the believer that is manifest and touchable now. That the blood of Jesus, he took in once for all. That means when he took his own blood, he took it then for you today. As he is, so are we in this world. So if Jesus, you think Jesus is up in heaven, he's walking around, man, I sure did mess that up. I sure could have done better. I sure could have done this. I could have done that. I should have done this. I should have done that. Oh, no. He fulfilled all. He fulfilled. He did not come to abolish the old covenant. He came to fulfill the old covenant, and he fulfilled every part of it that many men and women had tried and failed. They gave it their best. It was not good enough. You ever... Like, man, sometimes I work and I work and I work, and it's still not good enough. And I thought, I put everything I had into that. I studied, I prepared, I learned how to do this, I tried to build that, and I did exactly how they said, and that toy still exploded. Man, you don't have to, uh, you know, the message of Christ is the message of his life lived in you and through you by his precious blood, that you don't have to accomplish it. It's not like we're not trying to work hard. We're not trying to be diligent. It's like when you realize how you were loved and how your life has been changed by the blood of Jesus, you can't, you can't understand that and be lazy. Works do not save you and cannot save you. But as soon as you realize who it is that saved you and how it is he saved you and how it is he loved you, works will be produced. The thing is, the flesh just gets it reversed. I'll, if I could just do enough, then he'll like me, then he'll favor me, he'll provide for me, then, uh, he, then he'll overlook my, what, my mistakes. No, all of that is a stench in the nostrils of God, and it will keep you out of the presence of God. It is called self-righteousness. And if you look in the Gospels, the, the manifestation of the Word in the flesh, the individuals that Jesus had uh, the most disdain for their actions 
were the religious people who were trying to approach him through self-righteousness. Actually, they weren't even trying to approach him. They were trying to approach God. But you can't get to God without going through Jesus. The Son is the way to the Father. Why? Well, if I, no matter how hard I try, if I try to go to the Father without the Son, then I still am in unrighteousness and I am living in sin. If I keep the whole law, yet I offend in one part, I'm guilty of the whole thing. My only way to the Father is through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. He is the only way. Some people say, well, I'm okay with God, but you, know, you can pray for this meeting, but don't say the name Jesus. <laughs> Just make sure you don't say Jesus. I like T.L. Osborne. You know, he was over in one of those uh, countries uh, on the African continent, and, and they're saying, you know, like... Um, you know, women can't preach. We can't have any women preachers. And they're saying, you know, don't say Jesus. And he said, you know, I thought to myself, I'm going to have a woman get up there. And I'm going to have her lay hands on the sick and watch Jesus heal them in the name of Jesus. He said, that'll really light their fire. <laughs> then he said to them, he said, I want to say to them sometimes, those governments, because they want to legislate to keep Jesus out. He said, I say to them, well, I just want to thank you that you believe in Jesus more strongly than most people because you're afraid of his name. Why won't you let his name in? You say anything, but don't say the name of Jesus. Why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus through those that believe and speak his name. When you say the name of Jesus, I don't know, but I really like whatever the Lord is doing in my heart in the last 30 days. Because when I read this, by his blood, I thought, how can I remain seated when I even hear that? <laughs> when you think of the power and the purity and the awesomeness of the blood of Jesus... I think every believer, we need a greater revelation and more light on the power of the name and the power of the blood. Yeah. You say like, somebody said, in the name of Jesus. What I mean, you almost ought to like start shaking when you hear that name. <laughs> Why? Because you know what kind of power is there? You treat it like an everyday common thing. I'm not saying you, I'm saying people in general. Of course you don't. <laughs> I'm saying if we just treat it as a common thing, what would happen? You know what would happen? He couldn't do many mighty works in your life. You would limit the ability of Christ and God through Christ to work in your life. How do I know that? Because they were too familiar with him in his own hometown. So he couldn't do uh, many mighty things there. Except for he laid on his, his hands. Uh, Greek actually literally says... Uh, on people with a few minor ailments. Maybe like a sneeze or a cough or something. But you didn't see, like, he didn't heal all there. It just says he laid his hand on people with a few minor, minor ailments. Why? Because of their unbelief. Why? Because they said, this is, this is Jesus. I saw him growing up. What can he do? They saw him. Actually, if you read in the Word, it's a real interesting study. If you read in the Word, you find out uh, they didn't call him Jesus Christ. They called him Jesus of Nazareth. 
You notice when people call him Jesus of Nazareth, you don't really see healings and miracles. But when they call him Jesus Christ, Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. In other words, Christ the Messiah. And so, in other words, they're honoring that position that he holds. And it makes a difference. Like I said a few weeks ago, or maybe last week, I don't recall, but, you know, Brother Hagin talked about those two mothers that had sick children in his church, and they'd call for the elders of the church. Well, he was the only elder. He was the pastor. And so they said, you know, I want you to come pray for the kids. And the one mom, every time their kids were healed. And the other mom, I don't think they were healed one time. And he was kind of like uh, uh, upset about it. He was about 19, 20 years old, just starting out in ministry. And he, so he said, Lord, I... I'm so upset because this woman, she's faithful, she gives, she's always there, she serves, and I don't think they've been healed once. And this other woman, she's like sporadic and doesn't give very much and, you know, uh, comes maybe once a month, yet every time her kids are healed. How come? He said, well, then the Lord showed him. He saw himself going to the house of the woman where the kids were always healed. And when he saw himself, he said, I saw myself before I crossed the street to get to the house, she would meet me and take me in. And she say, man, I may not be much. I might mess up a lot, but I know God loves those kids. And the word said, call for the elders of the church and anointing them with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, raise him up. And she said, I know as soon as you lay hands on them, they'll be healed too because God loves them. What happened? They were healed. He said, then I saw myself with the other lady. And I went up there and I went to knock on the door. Nobody answered. Knock again. Spend some time knocking. Nobody answered. He said, I thought, what, what can I do? I got a pocket knife. I don't have a pocket knife in my pocket, but I have a little uh, air pocket case. He said, so I would take and I would bang it on the door. Maybe I can make it louder. Hope it didn't damage those, right? So pocket knives are not electronic. Still nothing. So he said, I'm going to go around back. You know, somebody called. So it's about as he gets off the porch, going around to the back. Then the door opens and said, who, who is it? He's, and they, they saw him and said, oh, it's you. Well, come in here. He said, I thought to myself, well, they called me to, to come. And he, so I said, is it one of my, well, somebody called me, asked me to come pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you always come pray and my kids never get healed. He said, well, then I saw it. And I knew. The first woman had honor for the things of God and she spoke the word God loves those kids when you pray for them according to the word they'll be healed the other woman and whole family apparently just like well okay whatever it's a secondary thought well don't ever let the name of Jesus be a secondary thought you understand the power of the name of Jesus and what's behind the name of Jesus you know all the blood of Christ is behind the name of Jesus so we speak the name of Jesus with a heart knowledge of who he is and the power of that name. He's been given a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, everything must bow. Amen. Both in heaven and on earth. So we speak the name of Jesus represents the blood of Jesus. So the blood purifies our conscience. Verse 10, 
which stood only in meats and drinks and many kinds of washings, carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. There we go. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of bulls and, uh, excuse me, goats and calves. I keep putting the bulls in there, don't I? But by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, thank God, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, uh, sprinkling the unclean sacrifices to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works... Hallelujah, to serve the living God. Even the blood even purges your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And this, uh, for this cause, he is made the mediator of a new testament that by the means of his death for the redemption of the transgressions or the sins that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be a death of the testator. In other words, there is an Old Testament and a New Testament. In order for the New Testament to become ours, the new will to become ours, there has to be a death before the will is enacted. And of course there was a death, and with the death there was the shedding of blood, and that blood is his own blood that he took in to the Holy of Holies. Um, verse 17, for a, test, a testament is in force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. <laughs> so you know Jesus completely died. Like it wasn't like, well, that was just like something where he wasn't really dead. Oh, no, he died. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. So the first testament wasn't without blood. For when Moses had spoken every uh, precept to all the people according to the law, the, um, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet and wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. So if you're in that congregation and you wear white... <laughs> You're coming out stained with blood. Well, you know, if you're in this congregation, you're coming out stained with blood, but not on your physical shirt. But the book is stained and sprinkled with blood, which is purifying. And all the people are stained with blood, which is purifying. So that when God looks at you, he actually sees you through the blood. He sees you through the blood. So why are you seeing yourself without the blood? Because without the blood, there's no remission of sins. The only way your sins are remitted, which doesn't mean like painted over and covered up so that you could scrape down and find them. A remission is a total expungement and removal like they never existed to begin with. When he looks at you, when he looks at me, he sees the blood. This is why, and he's going to talk about it in a second, you can't get into the presence of God without the blood of Jesus. You can, no man can come to the Father but by the Son. This is why Jesus, 
uh, just made the disciples go, Ooh! He said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they said, whoa. <laughs> we just saw Pastor Mark this week. He used to talk about when he went to um, you know, Cornelius from uh, Papua New Guinea. And Papua New Guinea, they used to all be cannibals. So he said, well, you go to Papua New Guinea. He's like, you don't want to go. He's like, uh, you, 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 you want to like uh, uh, always take someone that weighs more than you. <laughs> so that's a good meal. Well, they would eat the flesh. Drink the blood. They don't do that anymore. But man, when they start praising the Lord because of what he's done, because they know the power of the blood. And they know that they've been set free by the blood of Jesus. So moreover, he sprinkled uh, with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Oh, I, I skipped a verse, verse 20. Saying, this is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined to you. Moreover, uh, this, they sprinkled with blood the tabernacle and the vessels of ministry, and almost all things by the law per, are purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. I mean, think about that. When he did that, I mean, he had just been betrayed by everyone. Three times he heard one of his closest inner circle disciples deny him. So he's not like, well, these are good people because of what they do. So, Lord, I'm, I'm giving my own blood here for them. No, he is love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he entered in to the true holy of holies that he had seen mankind as a symbol and an example of for uh, years and years and years and years, year after year, year after year, year after year, going in and saw that it never purged their conscience, that it was a symbol of the true. But he said, I'm coming in and I'm bringing my own blood and almost all things, okay, where were we at? It was necessary that the pattern of the things in heaven would be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves, you could just add, purified with better sacrifices, that is the sacrifices of Christ. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Ha <laughs> ha nor yet that he should offer himself often as, high priest, as the high priest enters the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then would he have to often suffer since the foundation of the world. 
But now, once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You don't really need to like say anything else. I mean, the word is so clear. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look to him shall he appear a second time without sin to salvation. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with the sacrifices which they offered year after year continually make the comers perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. In other words, if it worked the old system, they would have just stopped offering them like we're pure. Because that the worshipers once purged would have no more consciousness of sins. It seems like he doesn't want us conscious of our sins or the sins of others. But in, in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls, thank you very much, and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body has you prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, that you have uh, no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, in the volume of the book that's written of me, to do your will, O God, above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin you would not, neither had you pleasure in them, which are offered by the law. Then you said, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. For by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. For all. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for the sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he perfected forever them that are sanctified. Uh, I'll pause for just a second. Sometimes we get a natural mentality that we have to pay for our mistakes. That we have to pay for our sin. That we have to do penance, so to speak. Like, well, we deserve this. Or this is because of this. And so I'm going to have to endure this. That is, that is old covenant thinking. That is not biblical teaching. New believer teaching. For by one offering has he perfected forever them which are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us after what he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You've got the law of God in your heart. It's called the law of love. And you don't have to figure out like, okay, let me write, 
even these Ten Commandments down. You follow the law of love. Jesus, Jesus, this is not Tim. Jesus said, all the law and commandments is fulfilled in the one, love. He even said, uh, people are going to know that you're part of me because you love, because of your love. Well, what does love do? Love denies itself for the sake of the one loved. So if you love yourself, you're going to deny yourself uh, the satisfaction of being mad at yourself. Come on. Maybe it's just me. My flesh sometimes wants that satisfaction. Ah, man, I was in a situation one time, a ministry situation of all things. And we had a meeting because there was a disagreement. There's like one, two, three, four, five pastors in the meeting. One of the pastors said, well, somebody's got to pay. And I thought, Man, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> uh, but you don't cast your pearls before swine. It was not like the best time for me to be expressing the biblical uh, part of that. I was kind of like a secondary part in the thing, not a primary. And so uh, afterwards I said some things, but praise the Lord. But that's the mentality of the flesh. Somebody's got to pay for this. Somebody's got to be penalized for this. Uh, we, can't, we can't just write everybody like a free ticket. I mean, when the workers were in the vineyard, Jesus told the parable, the workers in the vineyard, you know, and he said, you know, I'll pay you so much money if you work all day. He goes in the middle of the day, I'll pay you so much money. And then afternoon, I'll pay you so much money. He paid them all the same amount of money. You know, the workers who started in the morning, they saw the other ones get paid first, and they thought, oh, he said, I don't remember how many denarii it was right now, but anyhow. Let's just say three. He said he's going to pay us three, but he paid them three, so we must be getting more. Remember what happened? They got so mad, so upset. Why? Works mentality. And Jesus said, this is what I'm talking about with the kingdom. You could live your whole life for Christ, and someone can live their whole life for the devil. Say you both uh, die at 90 years old. The other person could live for the devil, until he's 89 and 364 days <laughs> and receive the life and blood of Jesus. Confess Jesus as Lord. He'll be right there with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? We're not doing this. We're not working to get it. Jesus did all the works. Jesus took all the suffering. Jesus took all the pain in his own body and took his own blood so that we didn't have to work for it. We work from it, not for it. Well, if you're working from something else, you're going to get frustrated. Why? Well, because you're waiting for someone to pat you on the back or acknowledge you. No, you look to the Lord. The Lord is your rewarder. He said, uh, God is not unfaithful. But he sees your labor of love, and he will reward you. But the flesh gets it so confused most of the time that if you don't, if you don't really put this at the forefront of your connection and relationship with the Lord, it'll start to creep in on you. Well, I do this, and I do this, and I do this. You know, there's another lady in one of Brother Higgins' churches, and she said to him, well, he, he had 
been her pastor for a while, and he said, you know, my she said, my husband's family always gets healed. Anytime uh, they get breakthroughs, they get miracles, uh, but my family, I don't know if we ever have. And uh, she said, I have a question for you, and that's what she said. And he said, well, you didn't ask me a question. And, he, and she said, well, why? And he said, well, if the Lord doesn't tell me, I have no idea why. But, but I will tell you from experience that probably your husband's family was quick to repent, quick to forgive, and quick to believe, and your family was really slow about all that. And she said, oh, you're exactly right. <laughs> what would happen? Well, the husband's family uh, wouldn't come and say, well, Lord, I've, I've been serving, I've been doing this, and, you know, so uh, heal me. They would come and say, Lord, man, we messed up. We thank you for your mercy. It's like the, the, was it the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee come and said, Lord, I tithe to the mint and cumin, whatever that is. <laughs> I separate it all out. I know that you hear me. The publican came and said, oh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, if you're born again, you're not a sinner. You're a saint, and you might occasionally sin. But the principle that's right there is he came by the mercy of God. Of course, he wasn't born again because you couldn't be born again at that point because Christ had not taken his own blood up to the real holy of holies. It's interesting if you read the Gospels a few years ago, maybe like 10 or something, I took in every Gospel uh, book in my Bible and I highlighted big highlights when, between where Christ died and where he rose again. Why? Because everything that's written before that is actually part of the Old Covenant. And if you make the mistake of reading that like that's New Covenant, you're going to get confused. There, there is a, a line drawn where the Old Covenant was fulfilled and finished and the New began. And that is the bloodline of Jesus. Thank God for the blood. So verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, whoa, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them and their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. So we have boldness to enter into the holiness because of the blood of Jesus. That what, what is the holiest? That's the very presence of God himself. Man, there is fullness of joy there. There is peace. Yeah, you have peace that passes understanding in your hearts. But you know, when you get conscious of the presence of the Lord and you're there with him, God still speaks. And you get into the presence of the Lord by the blood of Jesus. It really doesn't matter what the situation is. It pales. The, the brightness of that situation begins to fade out. And the brightness of his glory begins to rise in your perspective. And you start to see things the way God sees them. Something that for you before was such a stumbling stone. Be, uh, stumbling, you know, stumble you up it'll become a stone that you actually step on top of. Because you start to see the way God sees in His presence. I'm talking about in prayer. 
that you come and you say, oh, Father God, I'm coming to you right now by the blood of Jesus. That when I, when I stir myself up concerning the blood of Jesus and I'm conscious of the blood, that I'm not coming right now because I'm a pastor. I'm not coming right now because I've been a believer for X number of years. I'm not coming right now because I've been a believer for X number of days. I am coming because of your son, Jesus Christ, because his sacrifice for me brought me here and brings me right into your presence so that I have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to me and I have eyes to see what you're showing me. And you know what happens? Man, you, it's like... It's like Charged. You just get charged by the presence of God. Like things that are out of order come into order. You say, what happened? After I done praying, then all of a sudden, uh, all the things that were messed up were just all put together. No. Before I was praying, I was underneath the weight of all of those things. Once I got in the presence of God, now they're under my feet. <laughs> I step on him. Why? Because I am seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality and power and all the work of the enemy. Besides that, the Lord knows more than you. Amen. What? Well, you're struggling and struggling and fighting and whining and trying to fix it and working hard and wearing yourself out. And he'll say, just one little thing. One little thing. He'll tweak it. Do you know, I, I, you know, I just, I, praise the Lord, I love praying. I love being in the presence of the Lord. And when we started this church, you know, I was so, so busy. We're contracting and everything. Of course, I prayed and studied. And, but once I was uh, able to finish that, praise the Lord, uh, I was able to give myself more to the word and to prayer. And so, man, I just had some amazing experiences with the Lord in his presence in prayer and in the word. <laughs> I was a little frustrated because I'd come here to speak and I'd be like, just like such a flow and then I in the pulpit and I didn't have any, I felt like I didn't have any flow. I said, what are you supposed to do? Well, they say, just do it by faith, right? Well, just believe and act, okay? So you believe and act. But I just, my heart was not satisfied. So I talked to a couple minister friends of mine and talked to my wife as well and my wife said, well, she's so positive. She said, well, at least it's not the other way around where you just have like such an anointing in the pulpit and you have no reality in your life. I said, that's a good point. That's a good point, but I'm still not satisfied. So I gave it like another couple weeks and I'm seeking the Lord about this. Lord, what is it? What is it? You know what the Lord said to me? He spoke to me in his presence. He said, just real simple. He said, you are too logistically minded on Sunday mornings. And I thought, Oh, okay. Well, because I served in ministry, I helped ministry for like 15 years, and that was my job is to be logistically minded. <laughs> and so uh, that changed a lot of things. That changed it. That was the answer. Uh, but I had to get in the presence of the Lord. And I had been in the presence of the Lord. But man, the Lord will just, if you seek him and you open him, he, he'll, he'll bring light to your situation. And... Uh, you know, I said that to a, last year to a group of ministers, traveling ministers. We were in a prayer meeting, and I said something to them. And, uh, we were talking about something, and I had mentioned that. And they, one of them said, she's like, uh, you need to go tell, like, every pastor that. 
There's a lot of things going on in the church. Stand with me if you would. We enter into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. His blood has made you worthy. What helps me tremendously is to understand if I'm thinking, yeah, but not me, that, that I'm really saying that the blood of Jesus isn't that powerful. I would never say that. But sometimes through my actions, I have communicated that that's how I believe. Well, your actions really are what you believe. So don't forget about the power of the blood in your life. That you, when you approach the Lord, you come with the blood. That you're sprinkled with blood. That you're, you're, not, you're not like patting yourself on the back, that you belong there. <laughs> and that you're not, you know, pushing yourself under your own feet because you, you're just so messed up you don't belong there. But you just say, you know what? Because of Jesus, this is where I've been made to be, right in your presence. You pray with that consciousness, man, you will hear from the Lord. You will see things uh, that others don't see. Uh, he will open up his word to you, and you live that way. That you're like, huh, that's funny. I messed that one up, but thank God for the blood of Jesus. I, I, I'm not, I'm not performance-based. I'm blood-based. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of your son. Thank you for that blood, that blood that's even right now in the holy of holies speaking better things than the blood of Abel. That that blood speaks over me, over us. You're not guilty. You're not an outcast. But you belong. Belong, Father. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never received the cleansing power of His blood, I want to pray with you. Slip up your hand. God loves you. He has a plan for you. That blood will cleanse you in an instant, farther, faster than you can imagine. Number two, if you're here and you've been living for the Lord in the past, but you, you've walked away, went your own way, and you feel in your heart you need to come back, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. And, and uh, finally, if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, where the blood of Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit flows. Man, the blood of Jesus made access that you could not only be born again, but you could be filled with the Spirit of God. If you'd like to be filled with the Spirit, slip up your hand this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Father, we pray right now that you'll give even more light concerning the power of the blood and the power of the name of Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus in our life. Father, we thank you for that blood. We thank you for bringing us in by the blood. Thank you for not counting our sins against us. Thank you for not uh, leaving us in sin and our, to our own ways. Thank you for not making it so we have to just come up with all these things to do to get close to you. Thank you for putting your word living in our hearts, your law in our hearts, that we don't have a stony heart, Father, but we have your very heart on the inside of us. Father, thank you for leading us, guiding us, showing us the way. 
I plead the blood of your son over every person under the sound of my voice, that every aspect that his blood has reached and accomplished to the greatest depths and the highest heights of anything that would involve our life, we just apply that blood, the doorposts of our home, of our life, of everything that concerns us, our relationships, our families, our finance, our jobs, our bodies, our minds, our affections, Father, our desires. Oh, thank you for the blood of Jesus on our desires. Father, that we desire what you desire. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And Father, we pray right now for the meetings with Andrew Womack this week. We, Father, pray that you draw people even now from every direction. Father, we ask for a door of utterance for, them, for him to speak as your oracle. Father, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. We thank you. Thank you for working in Dylan's body. Father, we thank you for the very atmosphere in his hospital room, charged with your glory. Hallelujah. That the testimony continues. Hallelujah. Oh, for rest and refreshing in the Holy Ghost. Oh, for laughing and rejoicing. Ha ha, a season of freedom. Uh, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.